Have you ever been on the losing end of a bad deal? Just kind of looking back and you felt like you got, you got gypped, you got stolen, you got taken advantage of. I hate it when that happens. Um, on, a, on a more simple example, um, I recently went changed my oil. Um, and I was, have to admit, I was distracted. So I was on the phone and um, I'm, I'm waiting. They were taking a little longer than I thought. And somebody, the, the guy tapped his tapped on the window and I could see my truck on the other side and he, he, he's holding up my, um, my air filter. He's like, you know, and it looked a little dirty. So I'm like, yeah, go for it. You know, change it. He was, I want to change my air filter. So I get to the counter and I, I get the bill. It's like 130 bucks. I'm like, what? It's been a while since I've changed my oil, I guess. And it just seems really astronomical. And I'm like, whatever. I, um, Get it, and as I'm driving home, I stopped and I was thinking, when's the last time I changed my air filter? It was like two oil changes ago. I mean, air filters last a pretty good time. And I was just thinking like, wait, filters are supposed to be dirty. It was dirty. Like, it didn't need to be changed. I think I got taken. Not that any of you have ever experienced that before. I was also um, was thinking of like, okay, what would be an example of a bad deal? Um, I was talking to a friend who was maybe looking at a piece of property. They had their, their dream home they were going to build um, on this property. It was a nice piece of property. They had some woods and um, they had kind of already fallen in love with the piece of property and they were going to design how they were going to get to the piece of property and all this other stuff. And right before the deal, they had a survey just kind of go in just to see what's going on. And it just so happened that this massive old abandoned like um, oil well pipe was running right through the piece of property and they wouldn't have been able to build where they wanted to build had they bought the property. It was undisclosed, but it had been a bad deal. Classic bad deal if you go read the Old Testament. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the story of um, Jacob and Esau. So we, we know the classic Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, Jacob was the son of Isaac. They were, um, they were born at the same time. So Esau was born right before Jacob. So Esau had um, the rightful um, lineage, uh, the rightful inheritance of his father, which meant a lot in the Jewish custom. It meant he would get um, twice as much of the inheritance. It meant he would get the leadership of the family and all this stuff. Well, Esau was working in the field one day, and he's tired, and he's exhausted, and he comes home, and his brother Jacob is making a stew, and it smelled good. And Esau was like... I want some. I'm hungry. He's starving. He's famished. And Jacob says, sure, I'll give you a bowl of soup if you give me your birthright. If you give me, basically, your right to be first and oldest boy in the family, which meant a significant amount. And he took the deal. He literally traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. Bad deal. Not a good, not a good choice. 
bad deals are presented to us all the time, and sometimes we see them coming, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes hindsight is, is maybe right 2020. We can understand that was probably not a good deal. I wish I wouldn't have done it. But we do it anyway. But what if I told you, what if we could better identify bad deals before they get to us so that we can make better decisions? I think most of us would be really intrigued or interested in that. What we're going to talk about today in the gospel is that the devil is, is the master at proposing bad deals to us. He's constantly proposing deals. And he's a swindler, and he's a thief, and he's a robber, and he likes to manipulate, and he likes to trick us. We heard it in the first reading. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. Everything. And here comes the devil trying to make a bad deal, right? Goes to Eve. What do you think about that tree over there? Looks pretty good. Shiny apples. Yeah, God told us we were not supposed to eat from that tree. We could eat from any other tree in the garden, but we're not supposed to eat from that tree. And here he is. This is his tactic, right? Well, did God really tell you not to eat from that tree? Did he really? No, actually, you know, if you eat from that tree, you actually will have knowledge of good and evil, and you will be like God. And so he starts to kind of manipulate, and he starts to propose a viable option to choose when they had already ruled it out. And then he convinces them to choose it, and then Eve convinces Adam to eat. And all of a sudden, they're kicked out of the garden. If they would have known that the devil was trying to trick them into a bad deal, they would have never done it in the first place. But it's not that easy. And the title of our preaching series, this Lynn, is, is entitled, Living Yes Requires No. I would imagine most of us in here want to say yes to Jesus, if not all of us. We want to say yes to God. We want to follow God. But yet, how often do we find ourselves making choices that are completely contrary to our relationship with God? And we wonder, how does that happen? How can I possibly have gotten here? Well, the important thing to realize is, yes, it is important to say yes to Jesus. But it's equally as important to say no to the things that keep us from Jesus. We have to understand that we need to say no as much as we need to say yes. Living a yes requires no. And we can look today in the gospel what Jesus did. The devil's trying to tempt Jesus today in the gospel three different times. He's trying to propose some shady deals to him. And Jesus is going to be discerning. Jesus is always having his eye on his Father, and he knows who he is. What's the first temptation? Let's take a look at it. For those of you who have your Bible, it's uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. For those of you who have the missalettes, it's on page 75. First temptation is that the tempter approaches Jesus and says this, Jesus had just feasted, uh, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, so he's hungry, he's starving. Devil says, command that these stones become loaves of bread. Now, there's nothing wrong with bread. Bread is good. It's good to eat. There's nothing sinful about bread. 
But the devil is trying to get Jesus to use his power, which was given to him to glorify his Father, to use his power to be self-serving, to serve himself. He could change the stones into bread, and he could feed himself, but it's a temptation. It's a temptation to serve himself with his own power, to be self-seeking, self-serving. And Jesus responds with this, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So Jesus quotes scripture to communicate to the devil, I'm not gonna give in to your lies. I'm not gonna give in to your deal. I'm not gonna exchange my spiritual hunger Every word that comes from the Father, he hungers for something more. I'm not going to gratify, give that up to gratify a shallow hunger just for my body. So the devil's cunning, right? Jesus used scripture to outsmart me. So the next one, the devil actually comes quoting scripture, trying to trick him, right? The next temptation If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. So now he's getting smart. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. And with their hands, they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus, if you have so much faith in your Father, throw yourself down because your Father is going to come rescue you. Because Scripture says he's going to rescue you. Jesus says, and it is also written. See, Jesus knows Scripture. That's why it's so important that we become familiar with Scripture. Jesus quotes Scripture to refute his misinterpretation. He says, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus trusts God the Father. He doesn't need to test whether God loves him, whether God is going to take care of him. He knows God is going to take care of him. How many times we have trials and tribulations in our life and all of a sudden we start questioning God? Jesus sees that deal coming from a mile away and says no. And finally, the last one. Uh, This is kind of goofy. The devil brings him up a high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, I will give you all of these kingdoms if you lie prostrate and worship me. Now this is, um, this is the classic. Someone trying to sell you something you already own. Like Jesus is the king of the universe. All things were created through him and for him. He already owns everything on earth and the devil is trying to sell him something he already owns. I'll give you what's already yours if you worship me. He's trying to get him to trade being a king for a slave. And Jesus sees it. And, And listen to what he says. Get away, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Right? We hear in different uh, teachings in his life, he says, what, what would one gain for having the whole world and forfeiting his life in the process? So Jesus knows when to say no to preserve his yes. And that's what we're going to talk about this Lent. We're going to unpack the seven deadly sins. These are basically seven deadly sins, seven deadly ways that the enemy of our human nature has attacked people over the centuries.
And you and I fall prey to this trap all the time. Because it's not, it's not easy always to identify how the devil's working. He makes it very attractive. Sin is very attractive. We wouldn't choose it if it wouldn't be. It's very subtle. And so we're going to unpack the seven deadly sins. Hopefully, um, maybe if you came uh, for Ash Wednesday, you picked up one of these pamphlets. It's basically just a, a guide for our Lenten uh, practices. They have um, some ten, um, top 10 practices for Lent that most people um, maybe have practiced in the past. But it also has an examination of conscience inside of it. And each week, we're going to take a deadly sin and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about how does the devil try to penetrate our lives and to sabotage our commitment to Jesus so that you and I can be more fortified in our yes and we can see a bad deal coming a mile away. Would you not be interested if you could see the tactics of the devil more clearly? Would you not be interested? Could you imagine if we all learned better how the enemy tries to trick us to choose death rather than life, to choose a curse rather than a blessing? The sermon is so important. If we're going to live a yes to God, we have to learn how to say no. Next week, we're going to begin this. I invite you to uh, invite your, your friends, your family, uh, anybody can come uh, to Sacred Heart. If you're with, not with us and you're traveling, we're going to record uh, these talks just so that we can have a better sense of discernment, to see the enemy's tactics, to see Jesus, to say yes to Jesus and no to what hurts us. Amen.